Marsh is not swamp. Marsh is a space of light where grass grows in water and water flows into the sky. Slow-moving creeks wander, carrying the orb of the sun with them to the sea, and long-legged birds lift with unexpected grace, as though not built to fly, against a roar of a thousand snow geese. That is the first paragraph of this novel. Um, hello, welcome to Cafe All It. Um, summer season. So, um, I mentioned, I think, in the introduction that I do have the full schedule up for everything we're going to uh, be reading over this summer. Um, you're welcome to come and go as you please, obviously. I don't think I need to tell you that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, shouldn't be, shouldn't be spoilery, like if you didn't read, um, if you don't read the second book, but you come in for the fourth book, you know, I'm probably not going to be talking about the second book again. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. If you want to catch up later, um, do whatever order you want to do it in. Um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, be fun. I wanted to start with this one. Um, uh, among other reasons, the, uh, movie is coming out soon. Um, in like what a month, month and a half. Um, so yeah, I'm going to keep this pretty casual. I think I said, so we're just going to kind of go through and I'm going to talk about things that caught my eye, things that I liked, things that I, I didn't like. Um, we may get into a little bit more, um, analysis. We may not, we shall see. Um, but I really just want to encourage you guys to read these awesome books, um, and this was this was one that I really enjoyed. Um, got some light now, which is always helpful. Um, so the first chapter is just titled "Ma." Um, uh, Usually with the confidence of a pup, Kaya knew her mother would return with meat wrapped in greasy brown paper or with a chicken head dangling down, but she never wore the gator heels, never took a case. Ma always looked back where the foot lane met the road, one arm held high, white palm waving as she turned onto the track, which wove through the bog forests, cattail lagoons, and maybe, if the tide obliged, eventually into town. But today she walked on, unsteady in the ruts. Her tall figure emerged now and then through the holes of the forest until only swatches of white scarf flashed between the leaves. So, ma leaves, um, and of course, there's no reason to believe she's not coming back for a for young Kaya, who is what, six, yeah six years old at the beginning of this story, um, in 1952. Um, Ma will be back, he said. Uh, her brother, um, guy said, I don't know, she's wearing her gator shoes. Ma don't leave her kids, it ain't in them. You told me that Fox left her babies. Yeah, but a vixen got her leg all tore up. She'd starved to death if she'd tried to freed herself and her kids. It was a very, uh, all the dialogue in here is, is very much um, in dialect, but not to the point of like a Faulkner where it's just almost unintelligible. Um, not to say that Faulkner was not a master of his craft. He obviously was, but I think this is a very, this is a much more, um, it gets the point across without going overboard, which I appreciate. Um, and I know, uh, Stephen King has done that, um, before too. Um, particularly I think it was Dolores Claiborne that's told entirely in dialect that took me a minute to get into. Um, but this is a good dialect. You can kind of picture, you picture this sort of, uh, backwoods type of, type of accent. Um, uh, I wanted to point that out cause I thought that was one thing that, uh, Delia Owens does really well. Um, See, so this is okay. So Jody's trying to convince Jody's her brother's name. Jody's trying to convince her to um, not freak out. Um, he's like, "Yeah, she'll be back." And then, but Kai is like, 
but Ma's carrying that blue case like she's going somewhere as big. Um, get a description of a brief description of like where the shack is here. Um, and the descriptions of the nature, particularly of the marsh, uh, Delia Owens, I believe was a nature writer. This is her first novel, but I think she's, she's written several, um, books on like nature and, uh, stuff like that. So like the nature descriptions in this are just absolutely beautiful. Um, there are parts in it that this being a first novel that a lot of people point to, um, with reason enough that kind of show the problems um with other aspects of it but i think it's hard to knock the nature writing aspect of this um so the shack sat back from the palmettos which sprawled across sand flats to a necklace of green lagoons and in the distance all the marsh beyond miles of blade grass so tough it grew in salt water interrupted only by trees so bent they wore the shape of the wind um let's see on the page eight ma didn't come back that day no one spoke of it least of all pa stinking of fish and drum liquor he clanked pot lids war supper um see sukaya says kaya couldn't eat she's just standing there sitting like on the on the porch steps staring down where her ma had walked off um was it earlier that day um see until until dark came then she she uh, went to bed she was like listening for her mom um said most dawns the next morning said most most dawns smiling wide ma hugged her good morning my special girl and the two of them moved about the chores dance like um other mornings, Ma spoke about adult things Kai didn't understand, but she figured Ma's words needed somewhere to go, so she absorbed them through her skin as she poked more wood into the cook stove, nodding like she knew. Um, let's see. Said there was one... This morning, Ma had been quiet. Her smile lost, her eyes red. She'd tied a white scarf pirate-style low across her forehead, but the purple and yellow edges of a bruise spilled out. Right after breakfast, even before the dishes were washed, Ma had put a few personals in the train case and walked down the road. Um, so you can clearly see that, uh, and, and there's more instances in, in the book of um, Kaya. Kaya's mostly her mom and I think her brother's um, being, uh, uh, physically abused by, by the father, um, which is a recurring kind of thing, at least for the beginning of this, um, and obviously it takes a toll on a kid, um, see, next day I said Mog didn't come back that day either. Um, after Ma left, over the next few weeks, Kaya's oldest brother and two sisters drifted away too, as if by example. They had endured Pa's red-faced rages, which started as shouts and escalated into fist slugs or backhanded punches until one by one they disappeared. Um, they were, says they were nearly grown anyway. Um, but you see, she keeps being abandoned by, she gets abandoned by her mom and then, um, all of her older brothers and, and sisters. So only Jody's left. Um, and uh, even then, not this is not too long after that, it says, uh, she knew by the way he spoke that Pa had slugged his face. I have to go, Kaya. Can't live here no longer. Um, see, when you're old enough to understand, he said, Kaya wanted to holler out that she may be young, but she wasn't stupid. She knew Paul was the reason they all left. What she wondered was why no one took her with them. Which is just... Um... Really sad. <laughs> um, she's like six years old, and everyone's everyone's leaving her. Um, and no one, no one thinks to take the six-year-old daughter with them. Um... And her brother offers her some 
some last advice um, before he before he dips. Um, he says, if anybody comes, don't go in the house. They can get you there. Run deep in the marsh, hide in the bushes, always cover your tracks. I learned I learned you how, and you can hide from Pa too. Um, which you'll see, and I assume you've already read through part one, is something that uh, you've already noticed she does and learns to do. Um, Kaya sank into the brickened boards, watching Ma's watercolors of the marsh smolder and ash. She sat until the sunset, until all the buttons glowed as embers and the memories of dancing the jitterbug with Ma melted into the flames. Um, she goes into the city. Um, she runs into two, two boys. Um, a couple of boys on bikes. Three of them, actually. Um, see, Chase, Andrews, and I might say a couple more. But uh, you get this interchange where they, they blame almost, they either knock someone down or almost, yeah, yeah they almost knock someone down who's exiting a store. And uh, this woman pops out and she says, you can't go blaming your sins on somebody else, not even swamp trash. So you can see what, I mean, just obviously Kai is right there. She can hear and the people of the town just see her as swamp trash. Um, largely probably because, I mean, I think there's a little superstitious about everybody that lives in the swamp area um, and kind of look down on them. But also I think her, her dad being kind of like a drunk and uh, sort of a known uh, probably abuser in a way doesn't help at all. Um, see, ever since Barkley Cove had been settled in 1751, no lawman extended his jurisdiction beyond the sawgrass. In the 40s and 50s, a few sheriffs set hounds on some mainland convicts who had escaped into the marsh, and the office still kept dogs just in case. But Jackson mostly ignored crimes committed in the swamp. Why interrupt rats killing rats? Um, the school. Uh, so a few days after her birthday, because she just turned seven, um, Kaya's just kind of chilling. Um, her paws, God knows where. Um, he has a habit of disappearing and reappearing, um, just straight up missing days at a time. Um, and this was one of his like out of things. So um, she sees a car comes comes up the up the lane. Um, and she goes and hides into the brush. Um, it's a truant officer from from, this, from the county, I guess, or city, whoever uh, does that. And um, they're trying to get her to come to school. And they uh, they kind of keep talking because they, in case she can hear them. Um, and of course, she's listening in. So um, they tell her she doesn't have to wear shoes. She can she can go to school. She just has to make sure she wears a skirt because that was the rules. Um, it's the 1950s small town in Florida, you know, super conservative um, rules about a lot of things. But also it's just kind of like a it's not a super it's not going to be a super nice, nice school either. Um, so like there's there's some rules but it's more like gender-based rules than like actual, like, you know, you don't have the word choose. That's fine. You know, take that for what it's worth. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so she, she's at school and they kind of bribed her. They're kind of like, Hey, if you come to school, you get free food. And she was like, okay, I'm starving. Cause I'm, seven years old and my dad is currently who knows where left me to fend for myself um so she says school says several girls dressed in full skirts fluffed out wide with layers of crinolines approached one was tall skinny and blonde another round with chubby cheeks kyle wondered how they could climb a tree or even get in a boat wearing those big skirts certainly couldn't wade for frogs wouldn't even be able to see their own feet um of course they they ignore her she's 
swamp trash to them. Um, but so she she eats a few bites and then kind of like stuffs as much pie as she can into her milk carton, um, and wrapped it in the roll in her napkin because she's gonna need dinner later. Um, said the rest of the day, well, she never opened her mouth, even when the teacher asked her a question, she sat mute. She reckoned she was supposed to learn from them, not them from her. Um, which I thought was was funny. Um, she kind of leaves um, the day she gets. She doesn't like school very much. Um, Looks so the girls make fun of her, so. She, when the truant officers come back to bring her to school, um, she just hides and eventually they give up. So, um, said Kaya never went back to school a day in her life. She returned to heron watching and shell collecting where she reckoned she could learn something. Um, so. She's playing pirates one day, not too long after this, um, and she stepped on a rusty nail. Um, she's all alone, um, and says she's not like obviously she's obviously uneducated. She's seven years old. It's been in school for one day, um, given up, and. Uh, yeah, so, but she knows about lockjaw. So right then she remembered the lockjaw. Her stomach went tight and she felt cold. Jody had told her about a boy who stepped on a rusty nail and didn't get a tetanus shot. His jaws jammed shut, clenched so tight that he couldn't open his mouth. Then his spine cramped backward like a bow, but there was nothing anybody could do but stand there and watch him die from the contortions. So she knows she needs to get a tetanus shot, but she has no idea how to get a tetanus shot. Um... Uh, but she heard, but her ma used to soak all wounds in salt water and pack them with mud. Um, <laughs> there was no salt in the kitchen, so Kai limped into the woods toward a brackish slipstream, so salty at low tide, its edges glistened with brilliant white crystals. She sat on the ground, soaking her foot in the marsh's brine, all the while moving her mouth, open, close, open, close, mocking yawns, chewing motions, anything to keep it from jamming up. So she's just terribly worried about, um, she's terribly worried about getting lockjaw, obviously. Um, and she's, she's fairly resourceful. Um, so she, she sort of does sort of what her mom did and kind of hopes for the best. Um, uh, said she, but she clearly doesn't know, understand how it works, but she's just she's like opening, closing her mouth, faking yawns, like thinking it'll keep her jaw from locking up. Um, she's still, um, the last page of this chapter four, uh, every morning she woke early, still listening for the clatter of Ma's busy cooking. Ma's favorite breakfast had been scrambled eggs from her own hens, ripe red tomatoes sliced and cornbread fritters, etc., etc. Um, but the, so, but now the kitchen was silent, cold, and Kai slipped from her porch bed and stole to the lagoon. Months passed, winter easing gently into place, as southern winters do. Until at last, some unclaimed moment, the heart pain seeped away like water into sand, still there but deep. Kai laid her hand upon the breathing wet earth, and the marsh became her mother. Um, and then this book has, has sort of dual uh, timelines, if you will. So the first of this other timeline is chapter five um and it's in 19 it starts in 1969 the first timeline starts in 1952 the second one starts in 1969 um uh, and it's an investigation someone has been murdered um it was chase chase andrews um and so deputy deputy joe purdue a small man with thick sideburns showed up in the patrol truck in less than 15 minutes. Just can't take it in. Chase dead? He was the best quarterback this town ever saw. This is plumb out of kilter. 
I don't know what it is about like small towns, especially, but it's like you think that these that certain people, because they're popular, because they're good at stuff, are like immune to tragedy. Um, which I just find interesting. Um, chapter six is back to the old timeline, and uh, Pa Pa's back at this point, um, but he's um. Said Pa, shaved fresh and dressed in a wrinkled button-down shirt, came into the kitchen and said he was leaving on the trailways bus for Asheville to discuss some issues with the Army. Um, he figured he had more disability due him and was uh, was off to see about it and wouldn't be back for three or four days. Um, right before he leaves, her uh, father says, I believe you deaf and dumb as all get out. Um, yeah. Kaya is, of course, in a way got PTSD from people leaving her. So, like, she sees him walking away and uh, she, her fingers knotted. Um, she's kind of like gripping herself um, for dear life, worried. Um, so maybe they were all going to leave her one by one down this lane. But when he reached the road and unexpectedly looked back, she threw her hand up and waved hard, a shot to keep him tethered. Pa lifted an arm in a quick, dismissive salutation, but it was something. It was more than Ma had done. When she goes to the lagoon, um, she checks the gas in the boat because she wants to take it out, but she wants to make sure she's not going to run out and get stranded because she'll get in a lot of trouble or worse. Um... And she needs, she pokes, so she poked a broken reed into the rusted tank because um, she wants to check the level because she's going to have to fill it back up to that level so that she, um, her paw doesn't know that she's taking the boat out. Um, let's see. More advice that her brother had given her pops up. Um, Well, sort of. Um, so he just said, keep left at all the turns going else's direction so she knows how to get back. Um, and then says, she sees some, some wildlife and uh, she, she remembers a lesson she learned from watching wild turkeys that if you act like a predator, they act like prey. Um, so just ignore them. And... I think this can be applied to other things in the in the book as well. I think she applies this to her to her own life. Um, if you act like a predator, they act like prey. Um, and also, I think if you act like prey, I think it goes into um, oh yeah, on the next page even so, if you look tempting, men turn into predators. Um, that's that was something her ma had told her. Um, again, this is the 50s, so kind of making excuses. I mean, this wasn't written in the 50s, but it's written set in the 50s. So, like, a mother likely, you know, would have maybe thought more like this than we do now. Like, how to make excuses. I'm like, it, it goes back to that uh, thing that seems to have been taught to women for a long time. That, like, it's your fault if men mess up. In to a certain extent, um, victim blaming. Um, when she meets, she meets a boy, um, and he says he recognizes her as Jody's sister, um, and he tells her as much. And she says, "I used to be. He's gone." He says, "Well, you're still his," but he let it drop. Um, his name's Tate. T-A-T-E, Tate. Um, she's got to get gas. I think this is where... No. Okay, so chapter seven... Um, she's still holding out hope, but it's been less than a year. 
um, since her mom left. So even though it says the Marsh became her mother earlier in the book, she's still kind of like holding hope that Ma came back. Um, she had no inter interest in fishing, but maybe she could trade something else because she wants to use the boat um, while he's here. Um, figuring that uh, her, her pause here, that is. Um, figuring that the way to reach him, that was the way. Figuring that was the way to reach him. Cook maybe, do more around the house until Ma came back. Um, so Pa leaves again, just dips. Um, so she started keeping a lookout. Um, here she was again, staring down the lane. Uh, she spends a lot of time um, kind of looking for her family to come back in the early parts of this book, particularly. Um, so he comes back and she cooks him up a meal. Um, he invites her out the boat with him to go fishing. So before, before Pa strung it up, the brim floated, flopped around in the boat bottom, and Kaya had to watch a distant string of pelicans study the cloud forms, anything but look into the dying fish eyes, staring at a world without water, wide mouth sucking worthless air. But what it cost her and what it cost that fish was worth it to have this little shred of family. Perhaps not for the fish, but still. Um, she kind of like... She loves and uh, I think she loves and appreciates and respects the uh, the life in the swamp. But she also knows she's got to do she'll do anything to have family since she does she doesn't really have it. Everyone's kind of left. Um, for one thing, um, but also it's kind of like this. She's sort of like a, a creature of the swamp herself, and becomes more so as the as the book goes along um so where was i going with that um yeah i mean it's just like there's predators and there's and there's prey and she is sort of both depending on where she falls within this uh ecosystem Where is it? So, her pa, she's talking about, she like mentions that she met, or no, he, they're out in the boat and he, uh, pa sees her um, wave at Tate and he says, you got to watch out for folks around here. Woods are full of white trash. Um... So even even he thinks he's above them, and that's sort of explained later. Um, from his background, he came from a he came from a wealthy background. Um, uh, my folks weren't always poor, you know. Paul blurted out one day as they sat in the oak shadows, casting lines across a blue a brown lagoon, buzzing with low flying insects. They had ri they had land, rich land, raised tobacco and cotton and such, over near Asheville. Your grandma on my side wore bonnets big as wagon wheels and long skirts. We lived in a house with a veranda that went that went all the way around, two stories high. It was fine, mighty fine. A grandma. Uh, Kai's lips parted. Somewhere, there was or had been a grandmother. Where was she now? Kai longed to ask what happened to everybody, but was afraid. Um, it's just the little thing she takes, like, uh, he, caught, he Paul catches a fish. Um, he says, looky here, hun. I caught us a big one, big as Alabama. And of course, the the fish isn't what catches her attention. It's that he calls her Hun, because he's never like really shown any sort of affection, or at least not in a, in a long time. Um, and then we we bounce back to 1969, or bounce forward to 1969. Um, sheriff and deputy are escorting. Uh, Chase Chase's widow and his parents um, to see him um, lying on a steel table under a sheet in a chilled lab at the clinic, which served as a morgue um, to say goodbye. Um, 
then back at the sheriff's office, he said, Joe says, well, that was as bad as it gets. Um, so they're speculating lab reports. Um, basically it's just, it's just too, it's just too clean, um, of a crime scene. So they know like all the print print, any prints have been wiped off. He's, um, they see he's been likely been, been pushed, um, He's been pushed out of the uh, what is it, water tower or something, um, and the, the brings up uh, they bring up the woman that lives out in the marsh, crazy enough for the loony bin. I just bet she'd be up to this kind of thing. Um. Next chapter is when she meets Jumpin' for the first time, who runs a uh, a bait um, a bait shop that also sells like gas. Um, I think it's called something like that. Um. So let me see. Oh, um, so she gets a letter that she recognizes. She can't, I don't think she can read. She reckon, yeah, she can't read, but she gets a letter. She recognizes her mom's handwriting, so she knows it's from her mom. And then uh, she hands it to her dad, who like reads it and throws it in the fire. Um, so she did, she kind of wishes she would have read it. Um, she wishes she would have never showed it to her pa because it just makes him really angry. And I think he, he, he leaves right after that as well. Um, so says, Kai couldn't remember how to pray. Was it how you held your hands or how hard you squinted in your eyes that mattered? Maybe if I pray, Ma and Jody will come home. Even with all the shouting and fussing, that life was better than this lumpy grits. Um, so it's about this time she starts talking to herself a little bit. Um, starts she's like kind of talks out loud which i mean she's she's alone like almost all the time so some people have pointed this out to be like unrealistic or whatever but if you're alone have no contact with anyone except for occasional contact with your with your father who is distant and is just disappears for days weeks at a time then you might talk to yourself just to hear um just to hear a voice or I'm sure there's multiple reasons. Um, we bounce back to uh, 1969 in the investigation. Sand keeps secrets better than mud. Um, Cause there's no, there's no vehicle treads. Um, Cause sand, sand like of course shifts in and out. Um, but I, just, I really liked that line. Sand keeps secrets better than mud. Um, Bounce back to 50, 1956. Kai was 10. Said, Pa came hobbling to the shack less and less often. Weeks passed with no whiskey bottle on the floor, no body sprawled on the bed, and no Monday money. Um, so at this point, she kind of has to really start looking out for herself. And so she uh, starts bringing muscles to jumping, who, who, gives her, who gives her money so she can buy the little things she needs. Um, she makes a lot of grits, basically. It's how she survives, um, in addition to little little other things. Um But she he'll he only agrees like he, he wants to help her. He really does. Um he's one of the most compassionate people in this entire book, if not the most compassionate, him and his him and his wife. Um and what's I think interesting about this is um, this is the 1950s in the South. Um, so there's still like heavy segregation. He's a, he's a black man. Um, and she's a little, little white girl, but I mean, they've a white girl that's viewed as swamp trash by most of the people in the town. So they kind of, um, form a sort of relationship. He kind of uh, ends up, I, I would describe him as sort of like a, a, more of a grandfatherly figure to her than a fatherly figure. Um, from what I, from what I see, um, in this, but, 
either way, he's he helps her out a lot, but he can't buy muscles all the time from her. Um, one day, uh, someone else beats her to it and brings the muscles in before he um, before she gets there. And so she brings him some f- smoked fish instead. Um, so he agrees to sell them on consignment. He's like, I don't like. He's like, I don't know if I can sell these, but if I can, I'll give you some money. Um, I'll give you like a, a large portion of what I sell them for, basically, um, like a consignment. Um. So Jumpin's wife goes and like makes kind of a deal for like the church. She makes she could she's like I can I can make it into a stew, um, and they can they'll bring clothes and stuff for her, um, stuff like that. So she kind of makes another deal with them. Um, chapter thirteen, page eighty six, eighty seven. Oh, okay. So 88, she sees a big blue heron feather in a stump. Um, so she's like kind of talking to herself. She goes, how did it get stuck straight up in the stump? Whispering, Kai looked around. That boy must have put it here. He could be watching me right now. Um, talking about Tate. She stood still, heart pounding again. Backing away, she left the feather and ran to the shack and locked the screen door, which she seldom did since it offered scant protection. Yet as soon as dawn crept between the trees, she felt a strong pull toward the feather, at least to look at it again. At sunrise, she ran to the clearing, looked around carefully, then walked to the stump and lifted the feather. It was sleek, almost velvety. Back at the shack, she found a special place for it in the center of her collection, from tiny hummingbird feathers to large eagle tails that winged across the wall. She wondered why a boy would bring her a feather. Um, So she wanted to rush to the stump the next morning, but um, she kind of made herself wait. Uh, She finds another feather there. Um, And she said, for more than a week, there was no feather on the stump. She went by several times a day. Um, Eventually, she uh, sees a... Another turkey feather a couple days later. Um, let's see. Let's see. Shows her trying to save a um, turkey from other turkeys. The rest of the flock kills it so as to not draw in a bigger predator. Um, so she tries to stop it, but she's too late. So, uh, it dies and it makes her sad. Um, so suddenly she heard voices in the woods coming toward the shack. They sounded nervous, squeaky, boys, not men. She sat straight up. There was no back door. It was get out now or still be sitting on the bed when they came. Quick as a mouse, she slipped to the door, but just then candles appeared, moving up and down, their light jiggling in halos. Too late to run. The voices got louder. Here we come, Marsh girl. Hey, you in there, Miss Missing Leak? Show us your teeth. Show us your swamp grass. Just harassment. Um, Kai at this point has already kind of become a sort of local legend in in a way. Um, to the people of the town, they're like whispers of the crazy, like you know how like just this crazy girl living out in the swamp um she's sort of become like a uh almost a myth um in a in a sort of negative way like like bigfoot or something um which is obviously only does more further discredit to her amongst the town people um let's see Night back to 1969 in the investigation, they found fuzzy red threads. Um, as 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 the only the lone clue. Um, see back to the past.
So there's no feather on the stump again. So she's like, of course, I've got to leave something for him. Um, and she says it didn't fit that anyone who liked birds would be mean. Cause she doesn't, you know, just kind of like that. Don't talk to strangers. Everyone's out to get you. Um, and a lot of people have been sort of out to get her to some extent or another in her, in her life so far. So she's, you know, right to be a little weary. I'm especially 10 years old. I think still at this point, maybe 11. Um, well, see, 1968 plus six. Oh, she's like 14. Math. Um, something like that. Um, let's see. There's this really weird description that I have to bring up. Of uh, so take notice that while her face and body showed early inklings and in foothills of womanhood, her mannerisms and turns of phrase were somewhat childlike in contrast to the village girls whose mannerisms, overdoing their makeup, cussing and smoking, outranked their foothills. Really? That's just like It's just such a weird way to describe. I, I, yeah. Um, Kai goes to see, uh, jumping, jumping, um, in what they call colored town. Um, and some boys come over there, um, start trying to harass jumping and Kaya who's sort of lived a secluded life um doesn't really understand racism so she doesn't understand why jumping and like the of course the Jim Crow laws and stuff that are going on here so she doesn't understand why jumping doesn't uh react to these boys and do like say anything to them get away I mean, he's just kind of like timid around them um so what's the matter with him? Why don't he do something? She's like, uh, they, they've called him the N-word. And says she knew it was a bad word. Um, she said she knew by the way Pa had used it like a cuss word. She said jumping could have knocked the boys' heads together, taught them a lesson, but he walked on fast. Um, eventually, one of the boys reached down, picked up a stone, and slung it at jumping's back. It hit just under his shoulder blade with a thud. He lurched over a bit and kept walking. The boys laughed. And then picked up more rocks and followed him. Because, I mean, he really can't... That was the thing about the uh, Old South in particular. Like, in Jim Crow, like, as a black man, you could not do anything in retaliation. No matter how much a white man did to you, you couldn't... Especially, I think, boys probably would make it even even worse if they were, like, high school or something. But, like, he can't... He literally can't defend himself or he's gonna go to jail. So they're just provoking him and you can't do anything about it. Um... Kaya doesn't understand this, um, of course, but she uh, she gets mad and she uh, she's carrying a bag with with some jam, and she uh, she kind of hides and stalks stalks the boys and jumps out and just like knocks the crap out of them with it. Um, of course, they all they run away screaming, um, and she's just increased her legend. Um, even, even more as a crazy, crazy person. Um, and then there's this thing Tate teaches her to read like way too quickly. Um, so I mean, again, it's the first, it's a first novel and there's so much that's good about it, but some of the things that happen are just kind of like, oh, I mean, it, it's probably, it might be easier to, you can probably teach a 14 year old to read faster than you can teach a six year old to read or whatever. I mean, I might buy that, but it happens like really quick and she just kind of figures it out on her own. Um, which I mean, she's portrayed as being really smart. So it's possible, but it's just, um, nah, it's interesting. Um, Let me 
learning to read was the most fun she'd ever had, but she couldn't figure why Tate had offered to teach Poe White trash like her, why he'd come in the first place bringing exquisite feathers, but she didn't ask, afraid it might get him thinking on it. Send him away. But uh, she goes, she gets her family Bible out, and um, now that she can read, and there's this, there's this passage. Um, she learns her, she says, not until that moment had she known her parents' proper names. Um, so she sat there for a few minutes with the Bible open on the table, her family before her. Time ensures children never know their parents young. Kaya would never see the handsome Jake swagger into an Asheville soda fountain in early 1930, where he spotted Maria Jock, a beauty with black curls and red lips visiting from New Orleans. Over a milkshake, he told her his family owned a plantation that after high school, he'd studied to be a lawyer and live in a columned mansion. But when the depression deepened, the bank auctioned the land out from under Clark's feet, and his father took Jake from school. They moved down the road to a small pine cabin that once, not so long ago really, had been occupied by slaves. Jake worked the tobacco fields, stacking leaves with black men and women, babies strapped on their backs with colorful shawls. Um, basically, Jake sort of tricks her pa tricks her ma into marrying him so you get this other layer of this story about one like another reason why she left she had um ma had sort of been sort of tricked into into this into this marriage in a way um promised promised something that he didn't have which would have been um bad enough but then he gets he comes back from the war. He's got PTSD. He he starts. Um, he's not really quite able to work or not willing to work. Um, he starts drinking a lot, um, and then of course he just never. He keeps promising he's gonna he's gonna do. Um, he drops out of school. He said he keeps dreaming about completing school, making a better life for them all, but the shadow of the foxhole would move across his mind. Once sure and cocky, handsome and fit, he could no longer wear the man he had become, and he'd take a swig from his poke. Blending again with the fighting, drinking, cussing renegades of the marsh was the easiest thing Jake ever did. So he's cl clearly got some PTSD and stuff going on. So you can, in, in one sense, you can kind of, I don't think you can excuse what he's become, but there's, there's, legitimate reasons for for why he has become the way he is but he keeps taking the the easy route rather than um trying to fight it um so social services are looking for her now um because her pa's been gone for god knows how long um that's right they're not in florida they're in north carolina lol <laughs> Just ignore every time I said Florida earlier. Just replace it with North Carolina Marsh. Um, yeah, that's... Anyway. Um, let's see. Well, we better hide way out where the crawdads sing. I pity any foster parents who take you on. Tate's whole face smiled. What do you mean where the crawdads sing? Ma used to say that. Just means far in the bush where critters are wild, still behaving like critters. Now, you got any ideas where we can meet? Find another place to meet up. Tate starts showing her some poems um, and stuff. Um, oh, and then she there's this really awkward moment for both of them. When, of course, she hasn't had a mom, so she has no idea um, about like her, her mom left when she was six so she has no idea she gets surprised by her period and tate is sort of meets up with her while it's going on but she he he kind of he kind of knows what's going on because he's sort of been like educated to an extent um um he's older than she is too which is kind of a little a little creepy he's like 18 and she's like 14 or 15 which don't love that, but it is what it is. Um, she's, I would also argue that yeah, she's both, um, more naive and more mature than, um, most of, but 
I don't think that's a debate I want to get into one way or another. Um, that is a fact. He said, you're almost 15, right? She said, yes. What's that got to do with it? Because she's got like a bad stomach ache and she thinks she's going to throw up and stuff. Um, and there's some some other stuff. Her stomach's like cramping. And so he sort of, he kind of gets what's going on, which I don't think very many, like very many um, high school aged boys would just, that feels a little unrealistic, but it's possible. Um, so she's like super embarrassed. She has no idea what's going on. And she tries, she's like, uh, it might be, you know, what happens to girls your age. Remember a few months ago, I brought you a pamphlet about it. It was with those biology books. Um, so Tate glanced at her briefly, his face blazing and looked away again. Um, Kaya dropped her eyes as her whole body blushed. Of course, there'd been no ma to tell her, but indeed a school booklet Tate had brought explained some. Um, so she goes running to um, jump in and she's like, I need to see Mabel, which is his wife's name. Cause she had, Mabel had promised her not too long before that. Hey, if you have anything happened that you don't um, really understand about like what's happening to your body, come to me. Um, Cause she knows it's got to happen soon. Right. Um, so jumping sends um, a boy down to, to the house because um, he can't, can't really leave his store in the middle of the day and gets gets his wife to come. And so she kind of, Mabel kind of does the does the mother thing and like um, hugs her and stuff and kind of does all that. Um, kind of explains a little more, I think. And uh, yeah, just kind of is, is there for her. Again, like the, I think jumping in, you could argue mother- father like parents type thing but i think it's also feels cool like sort of like uh, they're adopted grandparents in a way um she doesn't like really live with them she but she sees them all the time and they take care of her so in and in, in that sense i i feel like they're sort of like grandparents to her in a way um anyway next i'm trying not to make this take too long we're getting we're getting close to the end of end of part one um should try to run that out keep this under an hour we'll see um eventually they have these like passionate moments where they almost like go they almost have sex and she's just, he's just like he keeps pulling back because he's like you're only like he's he's like eight, 18 19 um at this point he's just graduated he's about to go to school he's about to go off to college um he's like i want you more than anything i want you forever but you're too young you're only 15 she says so what you're only four years older it's not like you're suddenly mr know-it-all adult um Because, I mean, she hasn't been around society, really, so she doesn't really understand. He's trying to keep it, like, um, so he doesn't want, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to take her virginity being so much older than she is. Um, so he's trying to do the respectable thing, um, to, to an extent there, um, so, but anyway, he has to go to, um, he ends up going off to, to school, um, going off to college, Chapel Hill. She's worried that he'll, like, it's kind of tropey, but she'll, he'll, he's worried that, or she's worried that he'll forget her when he goes off and meets all those college girls. Um, of course, like every single book where the boy or girl goes off to college. The other one's like, oh no, you're going to forget me. Um, see, say goodbye. And then 1969 again, we get like a two pager chapter on uh, lab reports on Chase Andrews body. So I got it from several sources that Chase had something going on in the marsh. 
going on? What do you mean? I said, not sure, but some guys at the doggone say about four years ago, he started going out in the marsh a lot by himself, was real secretive about it. He'd still go fishing or boating with his friends, but made a lot of trips alone. I was thinking maybe he got himself mixed up with some potheads or worse, got over his head with some nasty drug thug. You lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas, or in this case, not get up at all. I don't know. He was such an athlete. Hard to picture him getting mixed up in drugs. Again, the whole like golden child athlete. How could he ever have any problems? Um, it's a former athlete. The uh, deputy replies. Anyway, anyhow, lots of them get tangled up in drugs. When the grand days of hero dry up, they got to get a high from somewhere else. Or maybe he had a woman out there. Um, said, I just don't know of any ladies out there that'd be his type. He only hung out with the so-called Barkley elite, not trash. Well, if he thought of himself as slumming, maybe that's why he was so quiet about it. Um, yeah. And they just talk about going to dinner. They're like, oh. Fried pork chops? I'm like, yeah. Um, so... Uh, Tate has told Kaya that he'd be back for the 4th of July. Um, but he doesn't really come back for the 4th of July. Or if he does come back to town, he doesn't come out to the swamp to see her. Um, so she's waited for him for like two days, which not worth it, but okay. Um, but also she's, she's young and she's in love. So like you, you understand he's also some of the only human contact he's had like Definitely the closest human contact she's had for a while. Um, so the chapter ends. At noon, she stood and screamed, Tate, Tate, no, no. Then she dropped to her knees, her face against the mud. She felt a strong pull out from under her, a tide she knew well. Um, for a month after July 4th, Kaya did not leave her place, did not go into the marsh or jumpings for gas or supplies. When all her shelves were empty, she finally motored to jump in for supplies, but didn't chat with him as usual. Did her business and left him standing, staring after her. Needing people, needing people ended in hurt. Um, she's, she's having her first heartbreak, and um, so by the end of August, her life once more found its footing. Boat, collect, paint. Months passed. She only went to jump ins when low supplies demanded, but spoke very little to him. Her collections matured, categorized methodically by order, genus, and species, by age according to bone wear, by size and millimeters of feathers, or by the most fragile hues of greens. The science and art entwined in each other's strengths, the colors, the lights, the species, the life, weaving a masterpiece of knowledge and beauty that filled every corner of her shack, her world. She grew with them, the trunk of the vine alone, but holding all the wonders together. But just as her collection grew, so did her loneliness. A pain as large as her heart lived in her chest. Nothing eased it. Not the goals. Not a splendid sunset. Not the rarest of shells. Months turned into a year. The lonely became larger than she could hold. She wished for someone's voice, presence, touch, but wished more to protect her heart. Months passed into another year than another. And that is the end of part one. Um, yeah, the, um, all right, so this episode definitely, uh, I don't know if it was longer than I wanted it to be. I was hope I guess I was hoping to uh, be able to, um, make it, make it a little bit shorter, but it's probably about, about right. Um, I definitely don't want to go too much over an hour if I can help it, um, maybe try to be a little more prepared for the next one since we got to cover um well this went through like page 145 or something so the next one is going to have to be uh 200 pages of um yeah so 200 200 pages 220 pages left almost i think um it's gonna have to be a little more um streamlined i think um i might have to read read fewer quotes out um yeah i don't know we'll see what happens um yeah we're we're getting getting going with the with the long one maybe i should have made this three episodes um 
I think I'm going to stick with two unless the other one just ends up being way too long. Then I, I'll do a part one and part two on it. Um, but uh, hopefully we won't have to do that. Um, yeah, hope you're hope you're enjoying the book and enjoying my thoughts on it. Um, very rambly, um, but that be what it be sometimes. Um, so yeah, until next time, um, <laughs> finish the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, keep on reading.